Where do I start? How do I train recall? How long should we work on healing before moving on? Is crate training really that important? We hear these questions all the time and there's one answer that will help with all of them. The complete step-by-step dog training course found at Standing Stone Supply. They break down the what, when, where, and how to train your own dog from eight weeks to one year old. They've got it all laid out for you down to even the daily activity checklist to keep you and your puppy on track. Check out standingstonesupply.com and remember to use code GDIY to save 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. So really it is all about the dogs and, and, and you know there's there's a reason why you know all three of us here you know are crazy about you know hunting or activities with our dogs because you know some of these dogs have changed our lives you know in ways that we can't explain and, and so we just want to be able to try to create that bond where you know people uh, feel the same way about their dog. Have you ever shot a bird that just keeps on flying and you're standing there saying, I swear I hit that bird? Well, good news. Maybe it might not be you, but rather your shotgun. Go check out uplandguncompany.com and construct the perfect shotgun that is not only built to your exact physical specifications, but your preferred looks as well. To some people, a shotgun not only has to perform, but look good while doing it also. Upland Gun Company has made this process super convenient and surprisingly affordable when you consider all of the completely customizable features. Get your shotgun order submitted today so you're standing there with your dog saying fetch rather than standing there still saying, I couldn't have missed that bird. All right, everybody, welcome back to another week of GDIY. This week we have the members of the Bird Dog Society with us, Jim Burris and Terry Ann Fernando. Guys, how y'all doing? Doing great. Thanks for having us, Nick. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. So obviously the introduction, people are sitting here thinking, what the heck is the Bird Dog Society? So who wants to lead off and explain what this organization is? Well, you know, the Bird Dog Society, uh, you know, we just started earlier this year in September. Uh, we are a charitable uh, nonprofit organization. And just as it sounds, we're, we're focused on bird dogs. Um, and our goal is to kind of provide resources for bird dogs and bird dog owners uh, to make the um, ownership of bird dogs a little bit easier. Um, you know, we see we're heavily involved with a lot of organizations, Terry Ann and I and, 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 and Kata, our other uh, board member. And, you know, we see a lot of people that get bird dogs and stuff and, and just are, you know, kind of struggling for direction and, and, you know, they need a little assistance knowing what kind of resources are out there. And, and uh, we felt like those with, you know, over 3 million bird dogs in the country, we just, they just needed a voice and, you know, and so we started the bird dog society to kind of give that voice to the bird dogs and, and to help owners, create that bond that we've all you know discovered and enjoy and you know couldn't imagine our lives without so i mean obviously there's a number of organizations and and resources that people if they're talking about how to train or hunt their bird dogs obviously there's a bunch of resources but y'all are kind of taking it a step further and wanting to touch on the overall i guess uh quality of life in in general not just the hunting or or training aspect yeah you know kind of we want to have a healthy, happy dog, you know, whether that's through hunting and, or, you know, some type of uh, hunt test or field trials or, 
or just doing um, non-hunting activities like fly ball or lure coursing or anything like that. We just want people to be engaged with their dogs and, and their dogs to be physically and mentally stimulated. Yeah. And so when you kind of approached me with the idea and you know you've been on the podcast before we talked snipe and rail hunting which uh which we'll get into on another episode here soon as well but uh you've been on before so you approached me with with this and you you came up with this idea you're starting this and you kind of gave me a brief little overview of it and i thought it sounded great and then when you told me terry ann was signed on i'm like that's great because she does I love seeing her on Instagram because you have no idea what the heck she's into that day. So, Terry Ann, how did you fall in line with this this idea? Did Jim just approach you and you're absolutely with it, or or did you kind of play with the formation of the idea as well? Well, it was definitely Jim that was the impetus behind it, but uh, he approached me maybe in December, January, um, and, and asked me to do a logo for uh, the organization. He was starting to think of the idea. So I was kind of involved in the beginning just to get the branding going because um, I'm a graphic designer. And, you know, he had me read the business plan and we talked a little bit about what it was. It kind of evolved over time and he still helps, you know, he was solidifying what the mission was. And, you know, the more I read about it, I was it really appealed to me. Like, this is something that I think there's a need for. I think, I don't think there's any other like all encompassing type of organization out there. You know, like you said, there's a lot of specific types of organizations for people to go to, but something, you know, we'll get into more of what we're going to do and cover, but the resources that we'll have and, you know, just being kind of that one resource for people to go to, no matter your breed, no matter what you're into, I think that could be really useful for people, especially if it's your first bird dog. Cause I know I, struggled a lot you know when I first got my first bird dog so I think we all struggled to some extent whether people were uh, you know uh cop to that or not but speak all right let's let's backtrack because like you just said there's a bunch of projects and 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 vision of what you guys are going to do but we need to kind of establish where the demand came from or at least where the idea came from you know Jim talk to us give us a hit the top of the waves, the high points of your journey into the bird dog world and, and really where you came from or what led you to say, we need an all-inclusive resource to to help guide these people with, with bird dogs because these aren't just hunters, it's just bird dog owners in general. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I hunt as much as I possibly can, but, you know, this idea all started in actually North Dakota, uh, hunting a lot of public land, a lot of WMAs and stuff out there. And we had uh, a group of us, we had nine bird dogs through the week, and it was literally just nonstop crossing barbed wire fences, you know, to hunting this public land. And, you know, a lot of the fences were still functional, but a lot of them, you know, weren't maintained and had a lot of brush around them or, or were loose and, and were a little bit of a, a health hazard for the dogs and, and quite frankly, for, for the uh, hunters to some degree. And, uh, you know, I kind of thought, you know, there needs to be an organization that, you know, kind of addresses some of this issues because, you know, every, every parking spot you go to, you can see evidence of previous hunters and, and dogs and stuff like that. And, you know, there's a saying a lot of public land hunters have is, you know, there's two types of bird dogs and those that have been injured by bob wire and those that will be injured by bob wire. And, uh, and, and you know, so that kind of is where the, the thought started, you know, a few years ago. And then uh, um, I had, you know, about... Th- about four years ago, I lost my first bird dog, which was an English setter. And uh, I took a few years off break from a, from having one. And then I got my uh, poodle pointer now, Manu. And uh, when I got him, that's when I got involved in NAVDA. Uh, previously, I, I didn't really um, know too much about NAVDA. I knew it was out there, but I didn't know any of the details. And 
And so when I got involved with NAVDA, you know, there's uh, North Carolina is blessed with four different chapters here. And so you can really um, go in deep on NAVDA and, and, and literally go to a training day almost every weekend. And, and so that's what we did for a little bit. And um, as we got kind of plugged into it, uh, I'd been a lifelong hunter uh, with, with dogs. And, you know, I, I hunted with my first bird dog back when I was like 14, uh, hunting uh, grouse and woodcock up in West Virginia. And so on a monthly basis, um, being involved with NAVDA, I would have people come up to me from, you know, uh, mostly city areas, urban areas uh, that just have bird dogs and, and, and are like, all right, what, I got this dog. What do I do with it? You know, it's got more energy than I know how to harness. And, you know, I don't hunt, um, you know, I, I'm just doing basic obedience training. But, you know, what else is there out there? And that's a, that's a challenge even for hunters is during the off season, how do we keep our dogs in shape? sharp you know mentally as well as physically so you know that that's a common thread between non-hunters as well as hunters yeah and uh and then so that was kind of a where i started to think there needs to be a resource out there for people that you know are new to bird dogs or or even have bird dogs and want to get you know more involved with their dogs and know what kind of resources are out there um because if you go to like a lot of the websites for public lands and stuff like that you know whether you can train a dog there or whether you can do any type of um, bird dog activities off leash or anything like that, you kind of have to read the fine print, fine print. Um, and there's no button you can click on that says, hey, bird dog resources go here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of other things that you don't, don't really think about as far as, as uh, training. And, you know, one of the uh, challenges a lot of new people have is, you know, finding a mentor that's really kind of uh, able to show them those ropes uh, and, and just where to start with the training, like even uh, down to how to get birds to train with and stuff like that. Uh, can be a challenge for new people. And, and so I started to realize, that, you know, there was a, a, a kind of a gap in the resources that were out there. A lot of this stuff is out there, but you really got to dig. It's so fragmented that a lot of people couldn't find all of it. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of, you get burnt out sitting there trying to click on this, you find where you can take your dog and then you got to try to find out where you can take birds. And then you got to find out, you know, what's the season, you know, when's it closed? When's it open? Can I use quail? Can I use chucker? You know, and, and each state is different. And then, you know, if you're traveling with your dog, it creates a whole nother, you know, monster, you know, you, you, it takes oh, literally a couple of years to figure out your own home state. And then when you start traveling to the next state, it's like completely different. And, you know, so the idea to kind of pull all this stuff into a cohesive website, um, provide resources that, you know, it, it's kind of a one-stop shop where people, you know, if they have a bird dog and, and, and they need info, hopefully we can at least get them pointed in the right direction with, uh, resources, uh, webinars, uh, website and stuff like that. So. Yeah. And it's like, every time I come up with a word to describe what you're saying, you kind of pull the word, word out from underneath me. It's like fragmented is, is the one I was going with because it, again, there's so many channels and avenues depending on whatever you're wanting to be. in. if you're a hunter, obviously you have, you know, podcasts such as my, myself or, or these other online resources. If you're just a companion and you just want to do the agility, it's just like they, they have their own little community, then fly ball over here. And then it, it's like everybody's in within their own little niche. And, and you, you provided some literature uh, a few weeks back that really kind of opened my eyes a little bit to the number of uh, bird dog breeds registered annually and within AKC. And I think it was like 1.9 million. Is that, is that right? Yeah. So the three most popular dogs and, and uh, uh, as far as bird dogs are concerned, and, and I think it might be important to define what we call bird dogs here. Yes. Um, and, and so the bird dog society, what we define as a bird dog, 
um, is any dog that's in the sporting um, breed class for AKC and any dog that's recognized by NAVDA. Uh, and so if you look at those breeds, the three most popular of those would be the Labrador Retriever, the Golden Retriever, uh, and the German Shorthair Pointer. And, uh, you know, of course, the labs have been kind of king for the last 30 years in the United States. Um, and if you kind of take those three breeds and an amount of registered, registered dogs um, just in AKC alone, that doesn't count all the unregistered dogs right. that are out there. Uh, you know, that equals about 1.9 million uh, uh, bird dogs just for those three breeds out there. Um, and there's roughly about another 30 breeds that aren't even accounted for in those statistics. And, you know, it kind of, you know, when you look at our mission and what we're hoping to do, um, you know, just for those three breeds, there's 236 nonprofits out there uh, just dedicated to rehome surrender dogs of those breeds just because people get them. And it's such a challenge to, you know, maintain them physically and mentally and, you know, they're destroying the sofa or or whatever (laughs) else. And uh, and so, you know, when when you start to see those kind of statistics, you know, you kind of realize that there, there's something out there that's broken that, you know, maybe needs a little bit of fixing um, and providing these resources that, you know, we're not going to be able to eliminate all those nonprofits. Uh, you know, they, they're out there for a great cause, but, you know, if we can eliminate a few dogs from being surrendered uh, because we can help foster that bond between the you know, owner and their dog, you know, that, I mean, that's a success in our, in our books. So. Well, it's kind of when you have that many or that high number of rescue organizations it's kind of like they're treating the symptom rather than trying to to curb it right and so yeah they may be trying and attempting and it's hey i hope i wish them success you know go find them it it really what you you guys are trying to tackle is the actual issue at, at the root of it you know when you have this many people on an annual basis registering or obtaining their dogs through just one pedigree system that like you said it's not all the non-registered dogs that doesn't even include ukc or navda or whatever you know other registration uh organization it's like you would think word of mouth would help prevent this problem from exasperating but it seems like every year you just hear more and more people like oh the german short hair is so pretty so let's go get a german short hair and then six months later it's like where the heck did my car go oh the dog ate it okay Yeah, and, and I, I don't think COVID did us any favors in this regard. Absolutely, um, not. everybody wanted a puppy, and and you know they 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 picked a puppy that looks the cutest in their mind, um, and particularly with these working breeds, sporting breeds, um, you know they don't really uh, often understand the demands that go with it. Um, you know they think, oh, my quarter acre fenced in backyard is adequate, or you know as long as I take him for a, a a short walk around the neighborhood once a day, you know, he should be fine. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I think what we get is a lot of people that, you know, get these dogs and then they just realize the demands are so high and, you know, it doesn't mean that they don't love the dog, but they realize, you know, it, it's kind of like if you, if you love something uh, enough, you, you kind of, sometimes you know you have to let them go yeah. <laughs> uh, to give them their best life. Um, but, you know, that's a, if you don't know someone that, you know, does hunt or, or is involved with dogs, you know, surrendering them to a nonprofit to rehome, you know, that's a, that's a kind of a unguarantee that that dog's going to live a good uh, prosperous life. Cause you know, it's hard to tell how long it's going to yeah. take to get that forever home. Yeah. And, and that's also, again, you know, coming back to Terry Ann, when you got involved, you, your Instagram, 
accidental bird dog. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just like what we're actually talking about is is you you kind of anybody that's not familiar with your story, they can go back and listen to the GDI Wives episode with Kylie uh, that you did. Well, it was probably a year or two ago. I think at it was this point. Mar- February, March of twenty twenty one. Okay. Yeah. I'll put the link to that in the show notes if they're interested. But like, you're a great example if you want to kind of hit the highlight of that of of you end up with this this bird dog who that's what she was put on this planet to do and and you kind of adjust a course and your story is a testament of what we're talking about here you know maybe not so much and you don't maybe don't have to go hunt as long as you have enough outlets outside of hunting but it kind of got you involved just by trying to make your dog the happiest and healthiest dog that you could for sure. Yeah. So um, briefly, I have a Vishla who's nine now and um, she was our first dog and we got her as a running partner and we thought, you know, running her around the block a couple times a week was going to be sufficient and <laughs> it became quick, you know, clear very quickly. It was not going to be. Um, and you often hear people talk about Vishlas are not a breed, they're a lifestyle. And I think that's the case for a lot of these breeds. You know, it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, you, I, and uh, we adjusted our lifestyle to Zara, um, or, you know, mostly I did, my husband's involved too, but (laughs) I'm a little more involved and, you know, so it's been, it's worked out, but I mean, you know, I got her as a pet and for the first couple of years she really was, but I mean, we, we were doing a lot of like dog park twice or three times a day, you know, we did run with her, but it's in the evenings you're throwing the ball. I mean, it was just a lot. And, um, then when I, I got into the hunting, um, I struggled to find people to help me train, to find birds, places to run her. Um, so without, you know, rehashing everything again, but you know, it was, if there had been an organization like this, it would have been a huge help to me because I didn't know a ton of people in the community or to reach out to. I mean, my breeder has been great, but you know, it's, it, it would have been very helpful to kind of have this sort of organization to point you to like, oh, this is where you could go to like, let her run off leash. Because as someone who was a non-hunter, I didn't even know when we moved down here to North Carolina that like there were public lands that it's legal to run your dog off leash in the off season or, the, you know, the hunting seasons. Like I, I didn't even know those existed. Like I would never have even, th- I don't know. I wouldn't have never thought to go to some hunting website and looked at it because it was so <laughs> far outside of my realm of knowledge that you know and then if even if I had ended up there like like Jim was saying kind of burying yourself in the rules trying to find all these you know what's the right regulation and whatnot I mean it, it just I think it's just overwhelming for people um so I think bird dog society is going to be a great resource for a lot of these people who just you know need some help Right. And the state regulations, I mean, you you guys don't get me fired up because I won't stop talking <laughs> about that. I've been kind of fighting that within my own state in Tennessee for a couple of years now because it makes no sense in the year 2022 why obtaining this information or just figuring out what I can or can't do is so difficult. And it's just like every state is different. So, you know, it, it's a challenge enough being in Tennessee, you know, I go, whether it's NAVDA chapter in Georgia or North Carolina, North Carolina, like you guys said earlier, there's four chapters here with, with, within just NAVDA. North Carolina is one of the most active bird dog states that I've witnessed in general outside of NAVDA. Y'all have so much going on. So this is a great like center stage for you guys, but on the public land stage, y'all can do that in North Carolina. There's nowhere in the state of Tennessee that you can legally go release birds and train train your bird dog during the off season. You can't even release birds 
in the actual hunting season to train them outside of an actual trial event. But then you cross this imaginary state line and you can do that in these other states. Uh, a resource like you guys are putting together, it just makes too much sense to just be able to look at it. Here's your state. Yes, you can go do this. Here's a drop on the map. You know, Terry, you just went to to New Mexico for the invitational. You're traveling through. You were you were reaching out and and asking where can I go run run uh, Zara on the way and off leash or whatever. And it's like not only just figuring out where you can go, but it, you have different regulations and licenses and permits that you have to buy just to go run your dog, whether you're training or not. Right. And it was so much easier to reach out to you, Nick, and say, where can I go? Where is safe to go? Than like look on the website. Right. You know, I did look on the website, but it was like, I'm just asking Nick. It's it's just easier. It, and it's sad because even people within like the actual locals, they'll still argue, you know, oh, I can do this. I'm like, no, you can't. I'm telling you, you're going to get a ticket if you keep doing this or whatever. Uh, there, there, it doesn't make any sense why it is that way, but, you know, hopefully Bird Dog Society, like you said, that's one of y'all's missions is hopefully, you know, provide a resource that centralizes that and streamlines it. Uh, another thing that you guys are going to handle as far as like the mission is the, the, the veterinary database. I've spoken on the podcast numerous times. You get these bird dogs or working dogs in general. It's not always easiest to find a veterinary service that understands the the needs or even desires of hunters with with bird dogs in general it's like each breed is a different requirement and so you i've i've run into it with vets on my my own to where you go in and they think that your dog needs to put on weight because it doesn't measure up to the you know fat lazy dog over here that doesn't (laughs) do anything Talk to me about who, who, whose idea was it? Was that yours, Jim, that came up with the the veterinary database or whatever that you're, whatever you're calling it that you want to put out? Yeah. So basically one idea we had was you kind of vet out a lot of the veterinarians that are out there because, you know, bless their heart, you know, we're, we're here in the sauce. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of times they, they're, I don't think they mean to be, um, uh, I, all right, so I'm struggling for the word here, but uh, you know they, they kind of shame you into yes. your lifestyle. Um, you know, for example, um, you know my dog he's, he's a big male poodle pointer, and he's had a number of front leg injuries and stuff like that. And then, you know, he, earlier this year he got orechia, which is a tick-borne disease, but he's on two different types of uh, tick treatment stuff, and and so then they start to question, oh, are you doing this? Are you doing that? You know, what kind of and it just it just seems like you're doing something wrong by doing these activities sometimes because your dog is getting injured. Uh, whereas you know if you have a hunting dog that you're out in in the field all the time, or even a working dog, you know injuries is kind of uh, something that comes with the game. You try to minimize them as much as you can, you know, and and do your you know tailgate checks and and stuff like that because you know injuries are, are part of it. You know these dogs literally put their lives on the line sometimes when they go out there hunting. You know especially if you're a chucker hunter or you're hunting like where we were yesterday, where there might be water moccasins or a gator or something depending on weather. Uh, but you know these these dogs, you know they just uh, go through a lot uh, whenever uh, you know they're hunted, and uh, but you know that's what they enjoy doing, and and a lot of times you know they'll they'll hunt hard even with an injury, and you don't even realize it until you get back to the truck, and, and then you take them to the vet, and then you just get scolded because you know you hunted for three hours or something, and or you know you waited until the next day to bring your dog in, um, but you know I'm kind of I think getting a little bit off topic here, but 
you know, we want, we wanted to, you know, there's a lot of vets that don't even provide some of the services. A lot of bird dog people um, like to do, um, like for, for example, here in the triangle, there's vets on every, you know, it seems like every uh, street corner. Uh, but whenever I asked, uh, you know, where can I go get a pen hip evaluation done for a poodle pointer? Um, you know, is this kind of like, Oh, I don't know. You yeah. know, I'm not sure anyone around here does that. And, and, and so, you know, it took literally like a year of asking around to, to figure out where I can take, uh, my poodle pointer to get a pen hip evaluation in case, you know, one day I decide to breed him. Um, and, and so then you get to kind of get into the spade and neutering aspect of it. Yeah. You, know, you take him to a vet and you're like, Oh, he's not neutered. Why not? <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, and so we wanted to just kind of create a list that if you're a bird dog owner, depending on, you know, regardless of what your goals are, um, uh, you know, there's vets that, you know, understand working dogs, understand hunting dogs, understand, you know, why you might be doing, uh, this or that, or why you want a you know, eye evaluation or a pin hip evaluation or, or something like that, in, you know, to, for breeding and why you don't want to spay or neuter until after two years or, or, or at all. So, you know. Trying to you know just get people that uh, vets that understand what we're trying to do and, and kind of the lifestyle we're living with our dogs I thought was something that you know is a valuable resource because a lot of times people go through two or three veterinarians before they find the one that they settle on. Yeah, and all that is great points. And for any listener out there that doesn't really understand what we're talking about, like, oh, really? It's not that hard finding a vet. Well, you you owe your vet a Christmas card or something because <laughs> most of us go through a number of vets. I mean, I I remember vividly taking Rachel into a vet one time. Uh, this is probably a year or two into me being a bird dog owner. And the vet literally told me verbatim I was cruel for making my dog hunt. And, wow. and, and then you, you, you talk about the vet, you know, it, it's like, well, stop doing the activity that hurts him. It's like, please come to my house <laughs> and, and try to get these dogs to slow down. Yeah. It, it's not happening. So it, it is very important to find a vet that truly understands it. And I mean, it literally, the way I had to go about it is I picked up the phone and I started calling vets and asking what kind of dogs the vet actually owned. And I and I, I went through and I called you know five to ten of them and I finally got one with a boykin and I'm like all right do you do you waterfowl hunt he's like oh yeah I'm an Arkansas boy okay cool and uh, and so it's just like again your resource you're talking about making it easier and streamlined for the next person to find that uh, are you guys considering doing you know you have your the BDS certified vets whatever you guys end up calling it are y'all doing that with trainers and breeders as well. Yeah, the plan is to try to do some type of evaluation process for trainers. Um, you know, a lot of trainers kind of have their specialty. Some are, you know, kind of um, create a niche doing NAVDA. Some, you know, kind of create a niche doing, you know, a specific breed uh, or, you know, field trials or something like that. So just having a, a registry where, you know, the, their facilities or something could be vetted out. So, you know, when you take their, your dog there, that it's going to be well taken care of. Because I think a lot of people take their dog to a trainer, but they're just nervous about leaving it with some, some someone, you know, and not knowing what kind of uh, care they're going to, you know, they're going to get their pillow fluffed at night. And stuff like that. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it's, it's especially for the, a, a new bird dog owner, um, you know, the dog lives in the house and everything else. And, and you take them and drop them off to a trainer for, for three months. You kind of, kind of want to know that they're, your dog's in good hands. And so just coming up a way to uh, vet trainers and be like, Hey, here's their specialties. Um, so you can kind of pick one that, you know, kind of fits what you're looking for um, in a trainer. And then here's the type of facilities that they offer. So, 
And, and I mean, that, again, that's huge. You're essentially doing the five-star Yelp review for, for bird dog hotels. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, the bo- the boarding is a hard thing in general. It doesn't even have to be the trainers. You know, some people get skittish about leaving their dogs at a boarding facility for just a weekend. You forget dropping the dog off at a trainer for 90, 120 plus days sometimes. So what else besides the trainers besides the vets are you guys coming i know that you know you you mentioned earlier all the different types of courses and exercise requirements that that help in the off season you know the lure 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 coursing uh i i'll get it out one of these days terry you you have experience with that with your your ridgeback as well right so why is it so important to maybe consider other uh avenues outside of just hunting or hunt testing in the off season? Well, I think first of all, it's very important because there are bird dog owners that don't want to hunt or can't hunt, or it's just some, you know, they're not super interested in, but they want to do stuff with their dogs and that's fine. So I think in the website, it's going to be a good resource to have some of these other, you know, kind of avenues that people can do. So there's tons of dog sports obviously out there. You mentioned lure coursing, there's agility, there's stuff like Raleigh, rally <laughs> that's a kind of more obedience space. There's dock diving, there's shed hunting, which is a little bit of a type of hunting, I guess. Um, you know, but just all these different things that, you know, maybe you, you go all in on agility because if you have a bird dog, I mean, I've never done agility with my Vishla, but she would have been great at it. I'm sure, you know, I mean, it's just running around a <laughs> ring and going over ops. I mean, what do bird dogs love more than just running through things and, you know, working with their handler. And, you know, that's, that's kind of a, what they're bred to do really just take the hunting out. Um, so I think that'll be important to have that to kind of tie in people that are not good to be hunting and that's fine. Um, I think the website that we're looking to also have stuff, we talked about it a little bit kind of obliquely, but have a, a map where you can click on your state and you have resources, like we said, for public land or, um, you know, places you can take your dog for exercise and also connections to different breed clubs. So, you know, all the different breeds we mentioned, trying to get Lincoln, you know, the Vishla Club of America, you know, the Poodle Pointer society or whatever it's called no. <laughs> <laughs> um you know all the different ones um because all the different alphabet soups for every yeah. single breed out there yeah you're right because i mean they're all kind of their own little island and you know then there's um also the hunting sports you talked about hunting in general but you know f- doing field field trials there's the akc field trials there's akc hunt tests there's ukc field trials there's nastra there's navda you know there's all these different ones that you can do so you know it probably sounds like we're trying to do a lot, but I, you know, I think we're just trying to kind of cover it all really. Yeah. And, and ultimately it goes back to pretty much the, the mission statement of you guys create and enhance resources for the physical and mental well-being of bird dogs and facilitate a more rewarding experience for bird dog owners. I had that written in front of me. I did not memorize that. Just <laughs> so you know. But it, again, you're addressing the mental as well as the physical in, in both, both ways, because, you know, it, I'm curious in your experience of kind of going outside of the hunting realm, you know, you you've trained and, and tested as well as competed in field trials at a high level on the bird dogs side of things. Have you noticed like any of these other outside activities, not typically related to hunting benefit your dog in hunting? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think so bizarre. I've done dock diving. Um, we were a therapy dog team for a while. Um, we've done, well, we tried lure coursing, but that wasn't her jam. Okay. Um, 
Um, so she's not great at everything. She's not great at everything. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, we've done a little bit of obedience type stuff. So I think, yeah, of course it does carry over because it's all about the bond with your dog. Like I was at a field trial this weekend and, um, you know, we, we didn't get a placement or anything, but one thing that people mentioned that they said on the course, Zara seemed like she really had a good connection with me. Like, and that's, you know, I noticed this too. She was listing really well. Like she'd look to me and I'd give her maybe a hand signal or kind of whistle to tell her where to go. And, you know, maybe, maybe she was being a little dependent on me at some points, but I think that just speaks to our bond and amount of time we've spent together, whether that's training for hunting or just training for other things. I mean, I spent a long time training her to be a therapy dog and just be calm in situations where, you know, lots going on you're around elderly people, you got to be chill. And, um, so I think all these activities just build your bond with your dog. And that's, I mean, there's nothing better than that. I mean, it's just, you know, that's, isn't that what everybody wants, but you, you just have this great connection with your dog. I think it's just the more time you spend with them doing anything like this, it just increases it. So, yeah, when we go hunting, then, um, you know, she's very responsive to me. She, you know, she's looking for me. She knows where I am. You know, she's, she was working with me. It's not like she's going off hunting somewhere else and, you know, I'll see you later. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think that bond is always there. So I think yeah. it, it does help. And, that, and ultimately that's exactly what I'm getting at is I, anytime the subject like this comes up, I always go back to Bob Owens of Lone Duck's coin, coin phrase, the unspoken bond. And it just, it, it really is that simple. If you want a better, more understandable bond with your dog, it's just spending time with them. It's the same thing with people, same thing with your kids, whatever. You just have to spend time. And, you know, it's it it's unfortunate that most people, especially when they get busy, and I'm guilty of this as well, as to where, you know, well, let's go run them. And, you know, back to you starting off with Zara, it's like, well, <laughs> they'll get in really good shape. They just want to keep running. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you have to expand that that mental energy. And Jim, you're talking about that the other day, to where it's just like, I don't care if somebody has a bird dog that actually hunts. It's like just go spend time with that dog, and we don't end up with another sporting breed on the rescue shelf to be picked off by somebody else that can't handle it. Yeah, I mean, being active, and engaged with your dog is. I mean, it, it's very time consuming, as Terry Ann kind of mentioned. You know, you you kind of evolve your. You, playing your day around your dog almost. Um, but then the more activities you do with it, you know, you build that bond, but then you also understand your dog so much deeper. Like you literally know when he's about to do something or she's about to do something oh, yeah. that they're not supposed to just <laughs> by reading the body language and, and then, and just having them inside the house, you know, when, when you train them and, and they have a job to do and stuff like that, and you get that mental and physical stimulation. They're just so much better behaved in the house and, and you can read your dog. So, you know, a lot better as well. And for, for the listeners that are like, you know, we, we do have some people listening to this, you know, I, I get most of the dog nerds out there, but it, there, there are some people that just, they only listen to this for hunting. All right. That's all they want. Well, They're like, it, well why do I care about that? And yeah. it goes back to your point that you made earlier. You came up with this idea in South Dakota with the barbed wire, man, you were walking just the other day here in North Carolina. It's a, it's a cross country right there, South Dakota, North Carolina. And we came across the same issue to where we're out snipe hunting, got into, uh, I think you said the first woodcock of the year, uh, down here that you oh, came yeah. across, yep. uh, but we're just walking and you're like that, that right there. That's what we're, we're wanting to tackle is cleaning up just barbed wire, just laying on the ground. It's like, it serves no purpose. It's not a line divider. It's not a, a field divider. It's just somebody put up barbed wire a hundred years ago and it's just laying on the ground right now. 
Yeah, and it, and it's on public land. So whether you're a hunter or you're just taking a dog out there, and, you know, if your dog runs into it, it's going to impact you both the same. Um, and you know, I think that's one thing that makes Bird Dog Society unique as well is we're the only organization that I know of where we're focused on bird dogs, but it's for hunters and non-hunters alike. Uh, you know, all the other organizations are are strictly about you know hunting aspects of it or you know non-hunting. Um, and so, you know, if you're a non-hunter, it could be a little bit of intimidating to go out to a public hunting land uh, to take your dog off leash or Definitely. even to do basic obedience training. Um, and then, you know, when you when you throw in all these other groups that are hunt test oriented and, and stuff like that, you know, it's intimidating, you know, to go to a, a group of strangers and they're carrying around shotguns and, and, and uh, have birds, you know, in bags and stuff like that. And, you know, it could be a little bit intimidating for a non-hunter. Um, you know, so this organization, you know, is really focused on bird dogs, um, you know, whether they hunt or not. And, um, you know, tackling some of these, uh, issues on public lands, I think is a big part of it because, you know, you don't want to, even if you know the public land is out there, if you don't feel like it's safe, um, a place to take your dog, you're not going to, you're not going to go, yeah. uh, you know, whether that's bob wire or, you know, <laughs> rattlesnakes or, or ticks or so many things out there that, you know, I, I hear people, oh, I don't take my dog out because of ticks or I don't take my dog out because of rattlesnakes or uh, I don't take my dog out for the bob. You know, you, you can fill in the blank. We, we may um, not be able to do much on the snakes and ticks. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, we can do a little bit, you know, mitigate it with some fire or something. We burning, can do some but, education and outreach, but right. there's so many public lands out there that, you know, that they're, they're set up for training dogs or field trials or something, but you go there and the facilities are just not somewhere that you would want to take a group of dogs. Uh, and let them do a field trial just because the the cover is overgrown. Uh, maybe there's old facilities there that are grown up. You know, there's no facilities at all. Um, there's actually a, a WMA up in Virginia that Terry Ann and I hunted last year that used to be used for field trials. And, and you can see the potential in the place. There's, you know, fields and old facilities, old kennels and runs and stuff like that was just growed up briars rusted and, and you know probably you know more rats live there than yeah than uh, anything else but you know trying to address some of these facilities too to where you know people if they know that resource is out there and they know it's a safe place to go take their dog uh, and they're not going to run into some of these issues um you know that's uh, what we hope to tackle as well you know even if it's you know we're, we've been talking a lot about people who are new to bird dogs you know uh doing the public lands um, aspect of it. It's going to help people that are, are you know, have 10 dogs or have been doing it for 50 years because if we're helping clean up uh, public lands where field trials are being used or, you know, if we create uh, resources where a NAVDA chapter can go in and do training or even a small group of people and stuff like that. Uh, so the public lands aspect of it is, you know, should be able to benefit, benefit everyone. Um, so. Yeah, and I have personal experience with this. You know, it's not a bird dog, so forgive me, but my coonhound when I was first starting out, you know, it's like just the cleanup alone on these grounds. You know, we're not talking about you're going to turn them into these mecca of, you know, people traveling cross country to come field trial at that place in Virginia. You're just talking about just get it to where people can actually realistically use it because, you know, I was out coon hunting years ago with my, my first gun dog, my coonhound, and he comes back and his feet are just, I mean, just mangled on the pads because of a dump site somebody went through a you know car windshield out there and it's just like you know if you can't even go out and, and just go run or walk your dogs on public land like you said it's kind of what's the point of it yeah and, there's there's a public land i was on woodcock hunting last year um where they took a dozer in and, and was doing some uh road work and stuff like that and they made some new trails and cleared off the homestead well that homestead had literally 
probably thousands of uh, glass bottles on it. Oh, wow. So when they took this dozer over it, it literally oh. broke all those bottles, and there's shards of glass just sticking up through the mud. <laughs> and like you, you can imagine taking a dog out there and it's running around looking for a woodcock, and there's just literally shards of glass everywhere. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> it's it's insane, and I mean it's public land. You know, back to where I was getting at a, a minute ago with with hunting, the public land directly is it like correlates to what you guys are talking about you clean up the public land whether it's for dog trials or what have you while you're out there cleaning it up you know and using it you're learning what your public land has to offer you're hopefully going to learn you know maybe this isn't the best habitat for wild birds maybe this kind of in a weird strange way kind of leads to people caring more about the habitat and the wild birds just because they're out utilizing the resources more yeah, and, and one important part of the organization um, that we plan to do is, is set up local chapters. Uh, you know, the chapter structure in a lot of organizations uh, is is really the backbone of those organizations that make them run. And a lot of people will support organizations if they feel like there's a local impact. And, and so setting up chapters, you know, North Carolina is kind of where we, we're setting up uh, shop and where all the board currently is at. Um, and so we want to set you know start chapters here in North Carolina. Uh, get the system where it works, uh, and then start expanding out from there. So, when we you know have these projects on public land, that chapter is involved with it. And you know, thinking long term, way down the road, you know, if we can manage some private land or acquire some private land uh, and create it into a resource for bird dog uh, society uh, members, that's something that the chapter can help take care of. And and it doesn't have to be a lot on these public lands. I mean, it could literally just be a, a can of paint on a, a facility or something or you know removing uh going in and removing you know like we said bob wire or, or you know any types of hazards or, or going in and cutting the grass so people can park and just have a clean place to you know unload and load their dogs and stuff like that or having good signage too i feel like a lot of these places you're there and you're like am i here am i at the right spot yes <laughs> yeah. you know and i mean it's, it's hard enough to figure out where to go before you go out there and then right. how many times have you guys pulled up and you're just you feel uneasy because it's like yeah. i'm breaking some rule like do, am i looking at this map correctly right. yeah. it's just you know a poster board with a sharpie sometimes is better signage than what we get on some of these yeah. public places for sure and you said we can't fix the rattlesnakes but there's prairie dog towns out west if you have a little oh, sign that yeah. says prairie dog you know town warning yeah that could, <laughs> that's that's one of the best layers on onyx is everywhere yeah. i go you know i've gone out west a past handful of years and every time i can go on somebody and they're freaked out about rattlesnakes and they're like well how do you combat that i'm like man they're out there that just don't be dumb if you look at the onyx and it's like prairie dog town don't go looking you know for the prairie dogs poking their whole heads out of the hole like just avoid it and yeah well if you're like me and you just go wherever your dog leads you sometimes <laughs> you end up like oh my gosh i think that's a prairie dog town right there. i get out of here but you know it's yeah, everybody says avoid those prairie dog towns. And when we were in South Dakota a few weeks ago, we walked around the edge of one without the dogs uh, and had snake bite traps and stuff on. And we saw over a dozen rattlesnakes oh, in wow. the tall grass around the prairie dog town. So you don't even have to get into the prairie dog town no. to get these rattlesnakes. Um, you know, so just, you know, some signs or something like that, you know, whether it's rattlesnakes or, or whatever. Yeah. Well, one other thing that, uh, we may or not may or may not be able to help with this, depending on what you, you, in the literature, again, it mentioned the blue algae concern, you know, that seems to be rising year after year. You hear more about it. I don't know if it's more prominent, if it's out there more often, or if we just hear about it more often with social media and everything now. But, you know, it, what it, it was in the literature you gave me, 
what's the plan like BDS? Was it just something that you hope to tackle or is there something that you actually know of that we can actually do better with? Well, it kind of goes back to this fragmentation issue that we talked about earlier where the resources are just so fragmented, one person can't conceivably find everything. And most states have a monitoring program for blue-green algae um, where they go around to local waters, uh, lakes, rivers, stuff like that, and do sampling. Um, And so making a connection on our website. So, you know, if this lake that you take your dog to is at high risk for blue-green algae, then maybe you just want to stay away for a little bit. And Because it's generally a summertime issue, but it's something we're seeing all over the country. Uh, here in North Carolina, we actually had a few dogs on one of the lakes uh, path, you know, die from it. Um, so it can be uh, pretty cute toxicity uh, to the point where you're throwing your bumper for your dog you know, one minute, and then by the time you get home with your dog, your dog's you know, about to pass. Uh, so it could happen very quickly, um, and we're seeing more and more cases of it all, all around the country. Um, so even with with the website, if you can hover over your state and click on it, and right there is an easy access to, you know, North Carolina's you know uh, blue green algae uh, report or Michigan or, or wherever you live in the country. Um, if your state has something like that, we can put a quick link on our website. Again, it's just kind of filling in the gaps and removing you know bringing all these different fragments um, that our resources or knowledge to to make bird dog ownership easier you know if we can pull all that into a, a way uh, you know digest it down and refine it on our website to where it's easy for people to find then more people are going to use it and hopefully there's you know more there's there's less incidences of at least bird dogs and stuff so i think it was three years ago may have been four years ago I was out at uh, our water, our local chapter's duck search water. It was about three or four weeks before the test, but it was getting near. We are doing the work days, and I went down there to train and get ready, and uh, there was some very blue-green algae-ish stuff out there. And so, of course, we didn't train that day, but we gathered samples, and it took a handful of us. It was like 48 hours just to figure out who the heck to send the samples to in what way we had to go back out there and get a sample collect a second sample in a different way to send with it and it was like that's 48 hours of a handful of people you know i'm not going to claim i'm the smartest guy but there was other smart people in the group and it's like we couldn't figure out even how to sample and get it tested and then we had to go pay an outside source because at the time i don't know if it's changed the state of tennessee didn't have a place for us to go get it right then and there and so uh fortunately it came back negative we were able to have the test but something like that you go out there and there's an algae bloom you're not really prepared for it and here you are you're having people come in here in just a few weeks to run a test that blue blue green algae stuff especially if you go out west in the dakotas it's a it's a thing that you have to consider if you're hunting sharp tails in september Oftentimes, you don't get that freeze or two overnight to, to really knock the bloom down. It can still be a big issue. Yeah, a lot of those water holes out west in particular, and with this drought and stuff, there's there's no running water into it, so it's just stagnant. And then a lot of times you have agriculture around it, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it's just prime for something like blue-green algae to get into. Um, and, you know, obviously no state or no organization is going to be able to go around and test all those potholes. Uh, but one thing you could do if a state has testing for something like that, you know, if locally you see that, you know, other larger lakes and stuff um, are at high risk, then obviously the smaller uh, bodies of water are often going to be, you know, kind of uh, high risk and stuff too, because a lot of times it's environmental conditions that drive some of this. So. Mm. so talk to me about the actual status of the society. Is it active now? Are you guys taking signups? You mentioned chapters. 
Do you guys even have the process or the application process to start opening chapters? Kind of talk to me about the next steps and how you guys are really kind of launching. Yeah, so we recently just got our um, approval to be a 501c3 uh, organization through the IRS. Um, and so now that we got that underway, um, you know, our launch date is set to be January 1st. Uh, and at that point, our website's going to be live and we'll be collecting uh, memberships and stuff like that. Uh, and then we hope to do a grand launch at Pheasant Fest, uh, which is in Minneapolis this year. Um, well, actually, be next year in February. Um, so we hope to do a grand launch there. And uh, really, kind of where we're at right now is just starting to spread the word that hey, you know, this organization's coming. Try to get some interest, uh, and starting to look for sponsors that you know want to be involved with uh, our mission. Uh, you know, because we're not uh, tied to hunting or or. And, and anything and, and, and bird dogs are our focus you know there's a lot of companies out there that you know are um, their their goal as a, as a company uh, matches well with our mission and so um, we're reaching out to sponsors um, to try to get uh, some support and try to create some strategic partnerships there and then you know we uh, currently we have a, a board of directors that's made up of three members uh, myself, uh, Terry Ann, and uh, we have another board uh, member, uh, Kata Miller, who's a professional dog trainer. And uh, we're looking to expand by another two to four board members. Um, so if there's people out there listening that uh, like what they hear and, you know, want to be a part of uh, the Bird Dog Society mission, um, you know, we they could send us a, a resume and kind of what they you know, have to offer as far as professional skills and, and experience with bird dogs. Uh, to uh, info at birddogsociety.org uh, and we'd be happy to reach out to him and talk to him about it. Awesome. I'll put that link in the email or in the show notes, the email uh, link as well. So if somebody is interested in how to get involved, do that and then uh, be sure to look out uh, look out for the official launch at Pheasant Fest. That's uh, not too far away. It seems like it's far away, but it's just really two, three months from now. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, officially we'll be open Um January 1st. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, kind of the, the grand launch where, you know, we'll, I don't know what we'll do for it, but, you know, we'll have something special going on at Pheasant Fest, hopefully, uh, to um, to kind of, you know, garner some excitement, stuff like that. But if people want to support, you know, Bird Duck Society, you know, January 1st, they can go to on, onto our website, uh, start to, you know, look at the resources we have compiled and, and become members. Um, and you know, our website is going to be a workhorse. Um, you know, there's a lot of information into it, and that's you know one of the big reasons why you know I brought uh, asked Terry Ann to be a part of it because of her skills as a designer and, and, and web designer. Um, but there's you know there's going to be a lot of stuff added to the website. You know, it's going to be a living website, and so uh, we're going to be doing webinars and uh, outreach and educational uh, projects, and those will be going on the website. And so the website is going to be getting built, you know, continuously. Um, to where it's a it's a bigger and bigger resource literally every month so yeah i'm, I'm excited for it. you know I, I told you as soon as you told me the idea i'm like absolutely I, i'm on board to help out any way i can i think it's something that we need you know everybody talks about the you know the dog community but it's all fractured you know it's like if you test then you're over here if you're trial you're over here and if you only want to hunt you know you're over here and you're kind of looked down at by, by both almost uh so it's just like anything that kind of brings everybody together and really put the emphasis on it's all about the dogs without the dogs you know we probably wouldn't all be caring about this as much as we do yeah we we have a slogan we do it for the dogs and a lot of times you ask people why they go out and hunt and why they do this and it's 
and their response is, we do it for the dogs. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of funny when, you, when you're in one of these groups, all these new people, you can't remember their names, but you can always remember the name <laughs> of their dogs. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so really, it is all about the dogs. And, and, and you know, there's, there's a reason why, you know, all three of us here, you know, are crazy about, you know, hunting or activities with our dogs because, you know, some of these dogs have changed our lives, you know, in ways that we can't explain. And, and so we just want to be able to try to create that bond where, you know, people uh, feel the same way about their dog. Absolutely. So is there anything else? We just kind of covered a lot in a very short amount of time. You guys, you know, you, you guys have some uh, pretty drastic goals and you're casting a wide net. And But is there anything that we'd be remiss if we didn't actually touch on today? Well, I, I think it's just that, you know, th- this is something that is needed and, and it's it's a large ship for us to float. Um, so if you feel, you know, like this is something that, you know, the community as a whole, uh, can benefit from, and you have a skill set that we can, uh, uh, utilize, you know, definitely reach out to us again, that, um, email is info at birddogsociety.org, um, and, and help us, you know, kind of get the ship, uh, floating. Cause really it's about a, being part of a community, you know, you can go anywhere and regardless of whether you hunt or not, if someone has a bird dog, you just go up to them and start having a conversation with them. And, uh, and, and so we want to kind of create that sense of community with the bird dog society where, you know, if you own any of those athletic, intelligent breeds that can sometimes make you want to pull your hair out, but other times, <laughs> you know, you, you can't imagine life without, you know, we want to you know, get you plugged in, um, you know, whatever your interests are, uh, whether it's, you know, fly ball, dock diving, you know, you can go down the list, uh, or whether you want to get into hunting, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of times these dogs drag people into hunting, whether they want to or not, mm-hmm. uh, just because, you know, the dogs are bred for that. And genetically, you know, they got that prey drive. They got, you know, they, they see a Tweety bird out there and, you know, the, you point and then all of a sudden you're like, Hey, that's pretty cool. You know, I'm going to, you know, see where this goes. And, you know, next thing you know, you buy a shotgun and you're out yeah, in the woods you're, hunting. You're and five years into this and you have a new car that you bought for your dogs. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, it's fancy I mean, crates. It's and <laughs> addicting and it's, it's crazy what these dogs can do. And, you know, um, we just want to be a, a place for pe- where people feel welcome and, and can be a part of a community, you know, that's it's bigger than all these uh, uh, groups that are fragmented and stuff. Um, so. Well, awesome. Well, thanks for reaching out. Thanks for coming up with the great idea. And more importantly, the, the follow through. Terry Ann, thanks for having me down and, yeah, and definitely. Give, giving us a place yeah, to thank record you, Nick. this. We, we really appreciate it. You know, you, you being the, the bird dog guy, we <laughs> thought this was a perfect place to, you know, kind of announce, um, you know, the creation of the Bird Dog Society. And, you know, we're looking forward to, to seeing where it goes. Well, I, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes too. I, I'm, I'm seeing big things here because I think so much of this mission any of us bird dog owners have had the thoughts like somebody should do this somebody should do that and uh, again you guys are actually following through it's like instead of saying somebody should do this y'all are saying no we're doing this and so i think uh the world not not just the gun dog world specifically but the entire world needs a little more follow through uh, in that regards but uh again thanks for uh, having me I'm, I'm i'm excited to see what comes and uh i'm sure we'll be hearing more about the bds uh as time goes on absolutely yep. All right. I hope everybody enjoyed that conversation with Jim and Terry Ann kind of going over the exciting formation of a, of a nonprofit that I think can impact and and really change a lot of people's perceptions on how, when, where, what you do to 
get involved with your bird dogs on on a much deeper level than just perhaps even just training and, and testing uh, for like NAVDA or AKC or, or what have you. It's It really appeals to me because they're kind of coming at it from a, a full circle, a well-rounded uh, mentality to where they truly just care about trying to create the most fulfilled dogs possible, uh, both physically and mentally. And so that's something that I think in the in the hunting dog world we we desperately need because as we kind of talked about in the episode, people kind of know what they want to do within their own little niche within whatever got them into the bird dog world. But when you try and take that next step or get into something new, sometimes the the knowledge or the know how isn't readily available. Sometimes you have to go digging and and find enough people to uh, figure out how to do it. And, and it, it can just, it can kind of be a deterrence for a lot of people uh, to get involved in other things, new new types of hunting, new types of training, new types of events, whether it's, uh, you know, the dock diving and, and all these other off-season type of activities to, that can also benefit what you want to do during the hunting season. You know, there's, there's a lot of crossover with all this stuff. And so I really appreciate the fact that not only uh, have they realized that there's a need for it, but they're acting upon it. You know, a lot of this stuff, I'm guilty just like everybody else. I've had a lot of conversations pertaining to a lot of these subjects with a lot of people and friends over the years, and just none of us have really acted on it. Uh, especially, uh, I'm really intrigued to see where they go with the public land usage uh, of things, especially if they can get involved in some of the kind of the legislation and regulation side of things. I know that's really not the the driving force for the formation of uh, Bird Dog Society, but it's one of those things as somebody who's really tried to impact my own home state and, and how we look at dog regulations. And, and let's face it, I would argue if, if other states or anything like my state, Tennessee, a lot of the dog regulations are really out of date. They haven't been touched in decades. And so a lot of the stuff, they just, they don't even really understand how we go about training and, and what we do with these dogs, especially on the versatile side of things. It's uh, it, it can be challenging to figure out where you can go train, what you can do on certain grounds. And then, you know, kind of what Jim Jim was talking about, just the the shape of the resources and the, and the facilities on site to where sometimes I have shown up to different public land to where, you know, you show up to a dog training area or a field trial area, you, you look at the shape that it's in and it's like, well, I don't know if I feel comfortable with my dog running through that area. You know, it, it could be a rundown uh, kennel or shop or, or what have you, or barbed wire everywhere, glass everywhere from people dumping on trash and, and what have you. But I don't know. It, it's it's something interesting. It, they, they're they going to have my full support. You know, Jim and I are trying to figure out how can how can GDIY help BDS and, and vice versa. And so it's something that I'm definitely going to stay involved in as they kind of get up and going. And I'm excited to see the future that they have and, and how it develops and what it grows into because I think there there's no shortage of nonprofits out there. You know, usually most tasks or most things, uh, especially conservation, you have a lot of people kind of doing the same thing in a lot of ways. Uh, this is a little different. This is something that, again, you hear people complaining about or talking about it. You don't see a lot of people actually acting upon it. So 
I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but, uh, you know, glad to have them on Terry Ann, you know, having us over to her, her place to, to record this. I really enjoyed it. And overall this, uh, this was just a, a fun little conversation on, uh, even, even more broad and, and fun trip that I took to North Carolina. I, I kind of did a, uh, just a full circle kind of linked up with a few people that I haven't seen or, or talked to in person in, in quite a while. North Carolina has a very rich, uh, bird dog, uh, and working dog overall, uh, culture down there. And so I, I just love going to North Carolina and kind of making the loop and, and reconnecting with some people that I've met throughout the years. It, it's, it's always a blast and, I uh, can't wait to get back again in the future, especially, uh, as you guys will hear next week, uh, how the snipe and rail hunting turned out for Jim and I, because, uh, we had, we had a pretty good walk and, and I hope you guys like hearing about that next week. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned for that. In the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. You know, go ahead and do the normal housekeeping. Please follow and support GDIY on social, Facebook, and Instagram. It's under Gundog It Yourself. I actually started a TikTok. Uh, it's something that I kind of probably fought against for for a while i was really hesitant to do it and uh to be honest i I don't know how active i'm going to be on that but if you want to check it out uh by all means go for it i think i've been on it for just a few weeks and i've already had two posts taken down for no reason whatsoever so more than likely uh I can't promise how active I'm going to be on it, but if you're on there and you want to give us a follow, by all means, go go check us out and hit follow. Uh, besides that, the the most helpful thing you can do to support GDIY and the podcast and what we're trying to build to and and creating new content is considering to become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com forward slash gundog it yourself. Uh, we're really working to bring extra benefits or exclusive content to you guys again it's it's a matter of just figuring out a new workload and and getting some things done and posted up there but it is not too far off i assure you i know i've been saying that for a little while but i promise you it's not too far off so please consider joining that we do uh, i am trying to put the profile episodes on video up there for you if you're interested in that as well as the uh, bonus episodes that i'm doing with nick larson which i just got done texting him a little bit ago we have a couple good and fun ideas for those bonus episodes that we're going to start incorporating into what we're already doing uh so be on the lookout for that with all that being said, I'm going to stop pitching uh, us and telling you what all you can and can do to to, uh, to help us out. First and foremost, or last, I guess I should say, uh, I just want to say thank you so much for uh, hitting play and listening and your support. It means the world to us. And with that, I'm just going to go ahead and wrap this up and tell you guys to have a great week. If you're still hunting, get after it, shoot straight, have fun, be safe, and all that fun stuff. We'll check back next week. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. 
Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again and a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.